0: Well, good morning everyone. We've arrived at the last day of a year, a new year dawns. I wonder when we come to the end of a year, how do we think of the previous year? We tend to look back on it and we reflect. It's time to take stock and see where am I now? And it's time to look forward to the new year and see how is the new year perhaps going to to pan out? So time to look back, take stock and look forward. And that's what we're going to be doing this morning with the help of David in Psalm 51, because really that's what he's doing in this psalm. And I'm going to show this morning as we go through the psalm how David is looking back, looking at where he is now, looking forward with three very simple prayers. Things that we can pray at the turn of a year. As we look back over the last year, we can pray, Lord, cleanse me. As we take stock as to where we are now, we can pray, renew me. And as we look forward to the new year, we can pray, Lord, use me. Those are the themes that David has in this psalm. So we look at it together uh, and see what we can learn from it on this particular Sunday of the year. Psalm 51. It's one of those psalms where we know exactly what it refers to because it's in the title. The title says a psalm of David when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. So we know when this occurred. David had committed the sin with Bathsheba of adultery. He had caused the murder of her husband Uriah and he had sinned grievously. It was in many ways the lowest point of David's life. And consider for a moment who we are talking about. David the king the chosen the anointed one by God the one whom God calls my servant the one whose name Jesus is happy to use in his title Jesus son of David when we come to this particular incident in the life of David with Bathsheba he'd been reigning for about 17 years it was a time of prosperity in Israel he had had many victories over enemies he was very popular with the people All seemed to be going well. And then we read in 2 Samuel chapter 11, it happened when Bathsheba caught his eye and became guilty of adultery with Bathsheba, arranging the murder of her husband Uriah and committing these very grievous sins. And if you know the story, you'll remember how God sent a prophet called Nathan along to tell David a, a little story. A story about a traveler who went to a certain town and he went to a rich man for hospitality this rich man had a lot of flocks he had a lot of sheep he had plenty to offer but the rich man ordered that the one ewe lamb belonging to the poor man living down the road should be taken and killed for the traveler now this ewe lamb was the only thing this poor man had his prized possession he had cared for it, he'd loved it, it was virtually a part of the family. But the rich man said, take that lamb, leave all mine alone. So Nathan told David that story and he said to David at the end of it, you are that man. David, of course, was very annoyed with the man in the story. How can a rich man like that dare to take a one poor man's ewe lamb, the only one that he had? It's wrong, he said. Yes, said Nathan, you are the man. David got the message. David was convicted and he said, I've sinned against the Lord. He repented of his sin and he was forgiven. He had to live with the consequences because the child that was born to Bathsheba uh, was to die uh, very soon after birth. But this psalm, Psalm 51 It's a psalm, yes, of repentance, when David is looking back on what he's done and asking to be forgiven, but it's more than that. It's as if David were asking the question, would God ever use me again? Now I've sinned against him and I've committed such dreadful wickedness, can I ever be God's servant again? Can he ever use me again? In this psalm, we have three major requests. The requests are quite simply, cleanse me, renew me and use me. And those are the three points we're going to be looking at this morning. Prayers that we often need to pray, but particularly appropriate for the last Sunday of the year. When we look back over 2023, we take stock as to where we are now and we look forward to 2024. So the first thing we'll notice is David's prayer, cleanse me. We see this in the first seven verses of Psalm 51. David is looking back and he wants to be cleansed. Why? Because he feels dirty. You see, what dirt is to the body, sin is to the soul. It's the inevitable effect of wrongdoing, of breaking God's law. David knew he needed to be cleansed. And if we look here at the language he used... Look at the nouns and the verbs. It shows how David really meant what he was saying. What had he done? Well, if you look in the first uh, three verses there, we can see three different words, nouns, that David uses to show what he had done. And as far as I'm aware, they are the only Hebrew words available to him. He says in the first verse, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions now what are transgressions transgressions mean crossing the line that God has drawn in the law God has said you can go so far if you cross that line that is against my will it is wrongdoing it is sin transgression crossing the line to use a couple of simple illustrations it's a bit like if you're playing football and you commit a foul, a millimetre across the line in the penalty area, then it is a penalty. Even though you may say, it's only just over the line, I, I couldn't help it. And have your excuses, if it's across the line, it's a penalty. Nowadays, of course, living in Wales, we have 20 mile an hour speed limits in an awful lot of places. And if you break that speed limit, whether doing 21, 22 or 61, 62 miles an hour, You have broken the law. There is a price to pay, maybe a fine, maybe a speed awareness course or whatever. But even though we may have various views on that law, we may think, that's not a good law. I don't agree with that. What's the point of it? Why the need of it? But what we think doesn't really matter. The law is the law. If you cross that line, we are guilty. David knew you crossed God's line a long, long way in what he had done transgressions then in the next verse he uses another word iniquity he says wash me thoroughly from my iniquity now what does that mean iniquity means giving in to our twisted sinful nature that's where a lot of our sin and our wrongdoing comes from it comes from within from our own nature that is iniquity and then he uses the word sin cleanse me from my sin and the word sin means missing the mark missing the mark that God has set and again an image we can use there may be of playing darts if you're playing darts you aim for the bullseye and if you miss the bullseye by a tiny fraction or you miss the whole of the dartboard it doesn't matter you've missed the bullseye you've missed the mark and the same is true with God God is saying my will, my laws, what I desire is there in my word, in the scripture. And if you miss it by a little or miss it by a lot, you have missed the mark, you have sinned. And David was well aware of these, so he's telling God he's transgressed, he's committed iniquity, and he has sinned. But what did he need to happen to him? What did he want God to do for him? Well, we see four different verbs used here. Again, David is using everything available to him in the Hebrew language to show God he really means what he says. The first verb he uses is blot out. In the first verse, he says, blot out my transgressions. Now, those perhaps of a certain age, like uh, my generation, might think of blotting out as um, blotting paper. Things we used to use years ago when we had real pens with real ink in uh, and the ink would spill all over the place and you would need your blotting paper to, to dry it up. If that's in your mind, take it out of your mind because it's not what is being referred to here. Blot out here means it refers to the debt that must be paid. When he says blot out my transgressions he knows that there is a debt that must be paid to God because of what he has done and he wants God to pay that debt so the debt is cancelled and he owes God nothing. Blot out my transgressions. And the second verb he uses in verse 2 is wash. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Now, washing, of course, refers to cleaning dirty clothing. It's what we think of washing. He wanted to be cleaned. And he then uses the word cleanse, cleanse me from my sin. But that refers to something a bit different. That refers to defilement by touching something unclean or from disease. It was a ritual cleansing. So he wants his sins blotted out, washed, cleansed. And he uses one further word in in verse 7. The word he uses there is purge. Now, if you've got certain translations, uh, you may not find that word there. Uh, Some translations use the word purify um, or or clean again. But it's a different Hebrew word. And purge is, is a good word. It means purify. He says, purge me and I shall be clean. And what the word really means is having a really good clean out wash me thoroughly totally purge me from my sin so David very aware of what he's done very aware of what his need is his need is to be have his sin blotted out washed cleansed and purged but you know we have the wonderful benefit of being able to look at this psalm through the eyes of the New Testament And we know from the New Testament that all those things that David prayed for have been fulfilled in Jesus. And all of those things are possible through Jesus. Listen to what we have in the New Testament. David wanted his sins to be blotted out. Peter says in Acts 3.19, Repent therefore and turn again that your sins may be blotted out. Just what David wanted. Then he wanted to be washed. 1 Corinthians 6 11 Paul says such was some of you having described all sorts of sins the people had committed but you were washed it's what Jesus does David wanted to be cleansed John says in 1 John 1 9 he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and the fourth word he used was purge and we read in Hebrews 1 3 When he had purged our sins, he sat down at the right hand of his majesty on high. So isn't that a glorious truth that we see there? All that David wanted to happen to him because of his sin is possible in Jesus. Our sins are blotted out, washed, cleansed and purged when we come to him and ask for forgiveness and put our trust in him. But why Did David need this cleansing so badly? Verse 3 gives us the clue. He says, I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. You see, not only did he know what he had done, but he he couldn't get it out of his mind. My sin is ever before me. No wonder, are we like that sometimes? We can look back and things that we've done that we wished we had never done or words that we had spoken that we wish we should not have spoken because of the damage they may have done and it can play on our mind and we can think can God ever forgive me for those things? That sin that I committed then why did I do it? I don't know. Can I ever be forgiven? Well the answer is yes we can because our sins are blotted out washed, cleansed and purged when we trust in Jesus. David, he couldn't get it out of his mind. He knew he had sinned by choice. He says against you, you you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. He knew he had sinned against Bathsheba. He had sinned against Uriah. But he also knew that all sin ultimately is against God. And it's God who needs to forgive him and cleanse him for all that he has done. He knew what God required. It's in verse six. He says, you delight in truth in the inward being and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. He knew that what God requires is truth, sincerity, reality in the inward being. Let me illustrate for a moment what that means. If you've ever been to France and uh, maybe wandered around an open-air market, which we used to do a number of years ago when the children were younger for our holidays. We used to like going around the uh, open-air markets in France, and you never know what you might find there. On one occasion, we saw some pears there with a very interesting name. The variety of pear was called Le Bon Chrétien, the Good Christian. Well, that was interesting. So came home and did a bit of research, looked it up. Why is that pear called Le Bon Chrétien? Why is it called the Good Christian? And the answer is because it's never rotten at the core. If that pear looks good on the outside, you can be guaranteed it will be good on the inside. Not like those apples and pears we can sometimes buy from our supermarkets. They're nice on the outside and you open them up and they've gone off, they're brown, they're not nice on the inside. Le bon chrétien père is not like that. If it looks good on the outside, it is on the in. And that really is a lovely picture of what Jesus can do for us. That as we turn to him from those wrong things that we do, and as we trust him, he cleans us from the inside out. And if we are clean on the inside and on the outside, it makes us un bon We look back over the past year we all need cleansing we can look back over times when we failed god we've let him down by what we've done or haven't done what we've thought what we've said we can look back and we can see lord i too need to be cleansed i need to be forgiven but we don't always see what we have done over the last year we can look back and say oh it hasn't been too bad last year I don't think I've done anything particularly wrong. I I don't need forgiving. I'm all right. Some of you will understand over the last 18 months or so, I've had to do a lot more work in the house than I was used to doing before. Cleaning and one thing and another. And I would often put the hoover around and think, oh, that's all right. Not very much dirt there. Not much dust there. I've done a tidy job in, in cleaning the house. Then I put my glasses on. And if you're of a certain age and need glasses, then you will understand this. I put my glasses on and I could see, oh dear, I missed that. There's dust there, there are crumbs there, bits on the floor there. And I can see bits that I couldn't see with my natural eyes. But when I put my glasses on, I could see I hadn't really done a very good job at all. And there was a lot more that needed cleaning than I was initially aware of. And aren't our lives sometimes a bit like that? We can look back and see, oh, I haven't done anything very wrong. Last year wasn't too bad, really. But when we look at it through our spiritual glasses, we look at it through the lens of God's word and how God looks, and then we can see, oh, oh, yes, I failed God there. I let him down there. I shouldn't have done that. We don't want to trust simply our own recollections, but ask God to show us through his word those areas in our life that need cleaning up and putting right we look back and we say cleanse me but moving on where are we now we're at the end of the year we take stock and taking stock the prayer is renew me we can see david praying that in verses 8 to 12 david wanted more than cleansing he wanted complete renewal so he could serve god well again And we can note three specific things here that he prayed for, each of which we could well pray for as we come to the end of the year and the beginning of a new year. The first thing he prays for is joy and gladness. Verse 8, let me hear joy and gladness. Verse 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Joy and gladness is a Hebrew expression that means deep joy. You see, sin had robbed David of his joy. And it always does. When we let God down, when we fail him, we don't please him and do those things that he wants, that spoils our joy. The American author Warren Wearsby has this lovely quotation. He said, God does not allow his children to sin. It'd be wonderful if that were true. But then he adds the word successfully. God does not allow his children to sin successfully. There are always consequences. And one of them is a lack of joy. We lose our joy in the Lord. We lose our our joy of of being a Christian. And if you and I have lost something of the joy of our salvation, the wonder of being in Christ, being forgiven, being one of God's chosen, redeemed people, knowing Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour, If we've lost that joy, it may be a sign of sin within that is unconfessed. And we need to ask God to show us what is it, and to confess and repent of it. Joy and gladness. The second thing he wanted in his renewal is in verse 10. Create in me, he says, a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. He wanted a clean or a pure heart. He wanted a right or a steadfast spirit depending on your translation that is the central verse of this psalm and it's the heart of david's concern he knew he couldn't change his own heart he knew that only god could do that so he prays create in me a new heart he knew that god was not really in the business of repairing what was broken but giving something entirely new. He wanted a new heart. And this is something the prophet Ezekiel spoke about uh, many years later in Ezekiel chapter 11, verse 19 and 20. God says, I will give them one heart and a new spirit I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh that they may walk in my statutes and keep my rules and obey them, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God." David knew from a clean heart come clean actions. We too may need to pray, create in me a clean heart. The New Testament tells us if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. All things have become new. Pray on this last day of the year for a clean heart, a new heart, one that Jesus alone is able to provide for us. And the third thing that David wanted as a part of his renewal, verse 11, was to know the presence of God. He says, cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Isn't that a wonderful thing to pray? That as we come and change years, that we might know the presence of God more. And what David was referring to was this. He wanted to know the conscious presence of God with him, which is not there when he sinned and is not there when we sin. David wanted that conscious sense of God being with him, which he had enjoyed before and now he had lost. What do we find in the presence of God? Well, David knew because he had already written Psalm 16, in which he said, "'In your presence there is fullness of joy, "'and at your right hand are pleasures for evermore." So the presence of God is synonymous with fullness of joy. And that's what David was yearning, yearning for. He had known it before. He wrote that Psalm. He knew that in the presence of God is that fullness of joy, And he's saying, Lord, I want to know that again. I want to know your real presence with me. And he knew that comes by the Holy Spirit. Because he says, take not your Holy Spirit from me. How do we get this conscious sense of the presence of God? It comes by the Holy Spirit. Now, for Christians, the Holy Spirit remains with us forever. Uh, The Holy Spirit enters us when we become a Christian. Uh, We don't lose the Spirit. But we're told in John's Gospel and chapter 14, something very important about the Spirit. And indeed, John referred to this a couple of weeks ago in, in his sermon. John 14, verse 15, Jesus says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you the holy spirit is our helper john explained a couple of weeks ago he's our comforter our advocate alongside us all those things that word means but he is our helper and he is the one who reveals god to us who draws us near to God and makes us conscious of God's presence. We never lose the Spirit, but what we can lose is the effective ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That's why David prayed, take not your Holy Spirit from me. What do I mean by that? How can we lose the effective ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives? The New Testament gives three ways. By grieving him. Ephesians 4:30 30 and 31 says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit. Don't upset him. Don't do things that cause him sadness or sorrow. The second way is by lying to him. Remember in Acts 5, the story of Ananias and Sapphira. Ananias said he brought all of his possessions to the apostles to be sold and distributed to the poor. But he hadn't, he kept some back for himself. And he had lied to the Holy Spirit and he paid the ultimate price. He died as a result of it. Don't lie to the Holy Spirit. And the third way we can lose his effective ministry is by quenching the Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 says, quench not the Spirit of God. That means by suppressing him putting him down by seeking to do our own things and not God's things going our way and not God's way in other words by deliberate disobedience so David prays Lord that I might know your presence don't take your Holy Spirit from me so as a part of the renewal he wants joy and gladness restored he wants a clean heart and he wants to know the presence of God thirdly quickly lastly come to look into the future looking forward and his prayer there is use me after cleansing and renewing come service and we see that in verses 13 to 19 David was God's servant and he wanted to be useful again in his experience it's a common experience isn't it to let God down and think we've failed God and to wonder can he use me again Peter must have wondered that after he had denied knowing Jesus. John Mark must have wondered that after he had deserted Paul and Barnabas on their missionary journey. And yet both were wonderfully restored and were of much use in the service of God. How did David want to be used by God? He mentions three specific ways. And again, these are three things that we can pray for the coming year. He wanted to witness to the lost. And bring them to the Lord. Verse 13. Then he said, I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. What did David want to do? He wanted to use his experience of falling, forgiveness and now following the Lord to bring hope and life to others. He knew that now he can speak sympathetically to people. He can speak from experience He can speak with feeling. It's not a dry doctrine. It's something real. David can say, I know what it's like to let the Lord down. I know what it's like to fail him dreadfully. And I know what it's like to experience his forgiveness, his renewal, his restoration. And he wanted to tell others the good news that they too can be restored and that they too can return to the Lord and have the joy of salvation. We can do the same. What a great prayer for the coming year that we may be able to witness to those who don't know the Lord and by God's grace lead them into a relationship with God himself. The second way he wanted to be useful, verses 14 and 15, is to sing the Lord's praises. He says, O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will show forth your praise for you will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. He will not be pleased with the burnt offering he wanted to sing the praises of god who can sing the praises of the lord like the forgiven sinner ransomed healed restored forgiven who like thee his praise shall sing david certainly could he wrote an awful lot of the psalms he was able to praise god he was gifted musically and poetically he was able to praise god but at the point of writing this psalm He wasn't praising God. He didn't feel like it because of the guilt of what he had done was upon him. But once he had known that cleansing, once he had known that renewal, now he said, Lord, I want to open my mouth and praise you again. David had a lot to praise God for. And we've got more because we come from the eyes of the New Testament. And we know from 1 Peter 3 that Christ suffered once for our sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. We have a lot to praise God for, a lot to worship him for. Oh, that in this coming year, we may have a heart set free to sing God's praises. It was a 19th century preacher, Charles Spurgeon, who famously once said, a great sinner pardoned makes a great singer. Thankfully, he didn't say tuneful or melodic or anything like that, but simply let the praises come from your mouth and be a great singer. He wanted to sing the Lord's praises. And the last thing he wanted to be useful, verses 16 and 17, was to please God. He said, You won't delight in sacrifice, so I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. David would give God, whatever he wanted, any sacrifice. He was the king, he was rich, He could give him anything. But to please God, he knew it needed to be a broken and a contrite heart, one that grieves over its sin and knows where to go for pardon and healing. And where we can go for all of those things is Jesus, the one whom Isaiah referred to in a prophecy is saying, he has sent me to bind up the broken hearted. It's just what Jesus does. A broken heart is a sensitive, gentle, humble one, one that God will use. So how did David want to be useful in God's service? He wanted to preach, tell others about the Lord. He wanted to praise God and he wanted to please God. Shouldn't those be the three great desires of every Christian as we go forward into a new year that we may be useful in serving the Lord by preaching, not necessarily from a pulpit, just by chatting to people, telling people our lives, living a Christian life, that we may show to others our relationship with the Lord and how they can have it. We want to praise God. We want to please God. And then we can be of use to him. So as we look back over the last year, I'm sure we all have things that we need to ask God to cleanse us from. We come to Jesus for cleansing. We come to him for renewal, to have that clean heart. Create that clean heart. Renew that joy and gladness. Those things that we are missing, that sense of the presence of God. Lord, can you renew those in me? And as we go forward into the new year, oh, that we might be useful in the service of God by telling others of him, by praising him, by doing those things from a contrite and a broken heart that please him. The past, cleanse me. Present, renew me. The future, use me. Shall we pray for a moment? Father, we thank you for your word through David. And we would pray this morning that we might take note of those things And that by your grace, as we come to the end of another year, we might look back and ask you to cleanse us from those times when we have failed you and let you down. And we thank you that Jesus cleanses from all sin. We commit to you our present and we wish to be renewed. We want to know more of the presence of God. We want to be able to be of use in serving him in the coming year. So, Father, we pray, will you enable us to pray those simple prayers even today. Cleanse me, renew me, use me. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that next year may be a year of much usefulness in your service. In Jesus' name. Amen.